Dybala! He is something else. Di Lorenzo, and still Di Lorenzo! The captain brings the house down. Partinopea champions once again, but the 33-year wait will now officially come to an end. Ciao, ragazzi, and Merry Christmas, Buon Natale, and Benvenuto to another edition of Serie A Sit Down, World Football Index's podcast for your culture to go. I'm Frank Cravello. He's Richard Carmen. These damn Serie A people are making us work through the holidays. This is the first time we've had to do this. Yeah, we kind of feel like Grinch is here. Buon Natale a tutti. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, we were used to having a break uh, last year with the World Cup, obviously. Kind of got through things off, and now they've been playing catch-up, presumably, ever since. So, yeah, no break for us. Uh, so maybe uh, Serie A, I guess, no Panatone coming up now, huh? Yeah, they don't get no Panatone from me. What is what is this? I enjoyed and having some nice time off. <laughs> me too. At least a week. Re- regroup, looking out for some other, you know, <laughs> doing some other things. So Reno's in the Reno's in with us. Anthony's in with us. Pack the chat, guys. Come on, get in there. Yeah. Uh, tell us where you are and tell us what you're drinking because you shouldn't be working this week. Absolutely don't work this week. It's because you're gonna just all, there's only so much reorganizing of your office or your desk area or whatever you got that you can do. Before you finally just go batshit insane and say, look, I can't be here or fake an illness or something. Yep. So uh, I've I, got the nectar I, of the I've got the nectar of the gods in my hand here. A little good. spotted cow. I gotta get some shipped to you. I have been so bad at that. Yeah, I need to get back to you. Also, I gotta send, send some stuff from local here in uh, yes. the DC area to you. So uh, but yeah, no, yeah. I'm uh, drinking well, I'm drinking some tea tonight and some water. I initially be drinking a little harder. I'm off the rest of the week. I am yeah. taking a long drive tomorrow to southern Virginia, so maybe that's my excuse. Huh? Oh, okay. I, uh, visiting family, your family, her family? Uh, her family were doing a nice little reunion in Southern Virginia. It's a nice me- meeting spot for everybody in the middle. So uh works. Yeah, it'll work out. And and you're not drinking right now to brace up? Correct. <laughs> yeah, I'll, be drinking, I'll drink plenty there, but uh, oh, you'll drink plenty there. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Gotcha. How was your Christmas? It was good. It was good. Um, can't complain. Uh, lots of days off. So yeah, how yeah. about you? Yeah, same, same, same. Uh, uh, you know, so you know, Christmas Eve we were at my mom's, and you know, being Italian, it's the real Christmas is Christmas Eve. It's always yep. been that yep. way for me, and especially because Christmas Eve is my mother's birthday. So okay, um, you know, so we. We have a good time with that. We, you know, we, 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 uh, you know, our, our, our chat people will probably be familiar. We put it, we had Spadini's, uh, with, uh, Cacio e Pepe on the side. Um, and then, uh, we had some wine. We had, you know, we had, uh, Arancini for lunch. Um, you know, so just, uh, we, we hit, we hit, uh, as much Italian cuisine as we can, uh, on Christmas Eve where we, 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 uh, we get through Christmas like true Italians. How about yourself? Yeah, uh, no, we had, uh, I don't know what you want to call it. We had uh, you know, ham and ham and potatoes and a bunch of other stuff in there. Little, um, I guess, uh, European, like East, Eastern European, like a um, little Polish-ish in a way. Uh, stuff we've been making for years. And so it's good, good stuff. Yeah, so. I did try my hand at a uh, standing rib roast for the first time. That was Christmas dinner for my family last night. So, uh, and they're all, and they're all still alive. So it it turned out, it turned out, it turned out great. I'm a good cook. I don't sell myself short and dessert, uh, but just just so that we had something Italian going on on Christmas day, uh, I made a chocolate and pistachio semifredo. So, okay. Look uh, at you. Look at you. Yeah. Yeah. And my daughter, who's like taking to cooking, uh, was in there helping. So, 
Um, yeah, so Good. it was wonderful. Oh yes, Anthony, I had plenty. Um, you know, I've I've been I hit the gym today. I'm going to hit the gym tomorrow. Probably going to hit. It. <laughs> I got a gym membership because uh, it's a new know, year. Yeah, I'll, well, you know, and I'm I plan to keep up with it. I'm not like one of these resolutionists that. You know, yeah, new year, new me, and and you know, two weeks, two weeks later, they just they they stop giving a shit and they go back yeah. to, yeah, uh, that's and, not me. If I, if uh, I you know, I, I want to get myself, you know, I got to get myself back in shape. I know it, and um, you know, it's uh, just one of those things. When you're 48 years old, going to be 49 next year, and just gotta 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 do something. Gotta gotta stay active, especially to try to run around with my kids. I, I I'm not looking forward to the day that my son beats me at a sport. So. Yeah, yeah, no, I hear you. I hear you. Got to beat him now while he can, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, speaking of getting back into shape, uh, both Inter and Juventus uh, lively on the on the market early on. It looks like Bremer's uh, extended his deal with uh, Ju- Juventus. Uh, agreements done. Contract set to be revealed or sealed, I should say. Uh, Five year deals expected with a salary fee for the Brazilian for center back. And it looks like Inter are 100 percent confirmed with Tajon Buchanan. Uh, for a fee around $10 million plus bonuses, contract to 2029. That is the rumor um, that was going around the circles today. So we'll see how those come up in the, uh, as the new year turns. But, uh, yeah, the top two teams in the league are making waves early on in the uh, Mercato. I've seen Buchanan play. He's quite useful. I'll tell you this, though. I think that he would need an acclimation period in City. Uh, I don't oh, fair enough. Well, and especially a team like Inter. He doesn't crack that lineup right away or makes an impact. Um, <clears throat> but – a great place for a player like Buchanan to go where he can learn from the players that, you know, play in that position, you know, and, you know, and, and get what minutes he can to gain experience. I think that that's what, what works there. Bramer, well-deserved. Speaking uh, of making an impact, Jan Besek with a nice impact for Inter this weekend, but we'll get to that when we talk about the game, but a uh, nice introduction for him. Yes, definitely, definitely. So uh, here on a uh, a Christmas edition, a Boxing Day edition, whatever you want to call it, of Serie A sit-down, we had some games that went on over the weekend. We're going to break down the Derby della Sole. Uh, we will break down Bologna beating Atalanta. We'll get to the rest of Match Week 17. Uh, Coppa Italia failures, Inter and Napoli going out at a very early stage, what that means. The experiment, how's it going? Uh, we talked about control being Milan, experiment being Napoli. Well, the control might be the experiment now, uh, according to some reports and according to what you believe and depending on what might happen this weekend. And we will finish with the world's most popular hashtag game, Who Won Calcio Twitter. Had a Champions League, Europa League draws, and I think there was some reaction to that 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 might have made our Who Won Calcio Twitter entries. Wow. Uh, so we might have a chance uh, you know, to talk about that. But Richard, let's start by going into the Derby della Sole. Yeah, Derby della Sole, big game that happened on what day was that? Was it Saturday? I guess yeah, it was Saturday. Saturday. It was Saturday. Yeah. Uh, Roma would be the home team. This one, big game, meant a lot for both teams. Uh, obviously, Napoli, the team, a uh, little bit in reeling after some big games, many losses in those in those games, uh, and then Roma like trying to get back healthy, trying to get back on a winning winning track. Uh, start start out with the home team uh, in goal, Rui Patricio, with a back three of Indica, Llorente, and Mancini. A midfield five of Christensen, Cristante, Paredes, Bove, and Zalewski with Lukaku and Pelotti. Two strikers up top. Uh, thoughts on the Roma lineup? I thought it was fairly interesting to see both Lukaku and Belotti start this. Uh, what are your thoughts on the starting 11? Um it, it tells you exactly what Roma's going to set out to do. It's a counter game, and then there's two reference points to play to instead of one. Uh, 
you know, when you look at Belotti and, and Lukaku. Uh, this works if the midfielders quickly get connected. Um, and they did. Uh, we'll talk about that as we go on in our analysis of this game. Um, but I thought it was a very shrewd strategy here from Mourinho uh, for this matchup. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. Uh, but certainly wanted to see how Belotti paired up with Lukaku, and I thought they fared off really well. And then obviously Bove, Bove and Christensen for me were two guys that we're going to keep an eye on to see how they would do, how they would link up in the midfield ultimately, uh, be part of that uh, certain 11. Uh, they both did very well, I thought. Looking at the road team, we had uh, Moret and goal with the back four of Di Lorenzo, Rahmani, Juan Jesus, and Mario Rui. Midfield three, the famous three of Zelensky, Lobotka, and Guisa with Politano and Quarashelia um, flanking Osimen. So, interesting game in this one for sure. Um, game started out surprisingly well for, for Roma, I thought, in this one. Um, Moret was forced to make a couple big saves in his first half. Uh, lots of yellows, I think. Uh, the star of the first half of the game in general, and probably should have been, was the referee. Uh, let this get, it's my opinion. I'm sure Lisi and others would say otherwise, but I think he lost control of the game very early on. Lots of yellows. We had, what, four yellows in the first half. Uh, Mario Rui in the 28th, and the 29th, you had Paredes, and 32nd, Christensen, as well as uh, Cristante in the 38th. Uh, lots of opportunities. Most of the opportunities, I would say, went to Roma in that first half. I thought they did a really good job of um, catching Napoli, make, forcing Moret to make some uh, to make some some saves, important saves. And I didn't feel you know, as much possession as you know Napoli were having. I didn't really feel that Mar- uh, Rui Patricio was really under threat, really for the whole game, honestly, but especially in the first half. Uh, but we go to, uh, at halftime 0-0. Zero, zero. Um, looked like it was going to be a rock fight. Obviously, a Mar- very Mourinho-style kind of game. Um, thoughts on the first half uh, with with all the yellow cards and really game getting very intense. It was just the intensity was ratcheting up uh, so much in the first half. Um, I thought the use of the and I said at the beginning when we talked about Roma's lineup, the use of Belotti and, and Lukaku was very shrewd. Um, you know, first thing, the, you put pressure on the two center backs, Rachmani and Juan Jesus, which is a shaky center back pairing to begin with, where you have two different targets. Now, again, this works if you get the midfield connected. There was a great chance from Bove. A lot of guys talking about Bove in the chat uh, yeah. where he slid in in Lukaku and then he followed the play and nearly scored. Uh, I believe you had a player running through on a where, where Belotti pulled the center back wide, got the ball, crossed it, and that was a midfielder coming through that nearly scored. Bove. You know, that was, so Bove. You, was it Bove again? Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, you know, so the so that was key. You know, you got a couple guys that can hold it up, and then when you've got Zalewski getting it wide, um, when you got Christensen getting it wide, you've got two aerial targets in the box to put a lot of pressure on the two center backs. You saw all of that unfolding in the first half, and why it was a very intelligent lineup that Mourinho picked for this game, uh, because it put Napoli, despite Roma not having a lot of the ball, they were incredibly efficient with the ball, with their chances, and with what they created. They did not need a lot of possession to put a lot of pressure on Napoli. Um, It was very shrewd on Mourinho's part. And, um, you know, while it was nil-nil at halftime, I think that that we were – Napoli was lucky to get out of there not being down a goal or two. Yeah, really, I think 
Bove, you know, to the chat's credit, was was fantastic in that first half amongst many people. Um, had that great shot that forced Moret to make a big save. Belotti, I thought, was very mobile, as you mentioned. Had that one play in particular where he went went around to uh, Mario Rui, who had, I thought, had a pretty bad game. Went around him, fed Bove, who, you know, Moret made another big save there. Uh, so Bove was all over the place. He was certainly fired up for this one, I thought, uh, overall. Uh, the lineup for Roma, I think Marino hit, just hit it out of the park to start the game. Uh, Paredes was being an, an agitator out there, mm-hmm. uh, causing helping the the intensity to ratchet up. But uh, but I mean, uh, even at halftime, I, I didn't think either manager was going to survive. I didn't think all the players were going to survive. You knew red red was coming. How many reds we would see would be the question. Uh, but they came out of the second half and uh, referee. Didn't want to hold back at all. It kept going, and, and we had three more yellows before we got our first red. Uh, the, really, the red kind of changed the game. Where Zaleski fouls Politano on, on the on the when Politano steals the ball. Uh, Zaleski trying to hold him back. Professional foul, fouls him, and then to, out of retaliation, Politano kicks out of him, gets a red card. Was that a red card, straight red for you? Should it have been a yellow? I mean, how do you think the referee handled this situation here? In the strictest definition, and with what referees are instructed to do. That's a red. Yeah. You can't be kicking out at a player. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, no, it was very to, – to me, I'm on the referee side on that one. That's stupid from Politano. Yeah. Um, you're getting the foul. Leave it at that. And this is – I think this takes us to another level of conversation here, Richard. Okay. Okay. We learned from this game, you get Napoli into a rock fight, and you just go in and just start physically kicking the shit out of them. They don't want to play. No. Okay. And they got taken out of the game. And it's effective. Okay. In my day, but here we go. My senior year in high school. Here we go. We were, we won a state championship. We beat, we were Marquette High School. We beat Pius. Okay. Pius was supposed to be the best team that year in the, I mean, it was a private, private, back then it was private and public were separated in Wisconsin. So it was private school state championship. Pius was supposed to be the state champion that year, not us. They had, I mean, we had our we had our Division One talent on our team. They, you know, they had a they certainly had a collection of Division One talent on their team. They had beaten us a couple of times before. We beat them, and then we met for the fourth time in the state championship. We physically beat them down. We dominated the midfield when we had the ball and, and created some things, but we we got physical with them, and they didn't want any of it. And when you got teams at this level, I mean. Napoli don't want to get into that kind of game, okay? And Mourinho knew it, and Roma knew it. You just start physically getting after Quadratelia. You get after Politano. You get after Ossiman. They start giving – what happens? They start retaliating. They get caught. They get a, they give away silly cards, okay? Um, and I really think that Mourinho knew what he was doing. This was the game plan for Roma all along. Guys, go physically beat the shit out of these guys for 90 minutes. They're going to fold. They're not going to want to be out there. They're going to retaliate, and we're going to win the game. This is 100% mind games from Mourinho, and it yeah. worked. It showed that you know when you know some teams can handle that kind of pressure, or or like Anthony says, some people fold. And and Napoli at that point just wanted to fight. They didn't want to play the game anymore. And I don't remember what minute. I don't remember if it was at the red card or before this, but you know. Uh, Mourinho and and Havarshele got got into it, and they're you know touching each other face to face. Mourinho really was one you know yeah. initiating that. Um, 
so a lot of stuff was going down. Mourinho had a yellow thing on the play as well. So it, it got really ratcheted up in this game. Referee lost control of it, in my opinion. But like you said, that was Mourinho's game plan. They went to have a rock fight with them, be physical. Napoli couldn't take it, and they responded negatively towards it with all the undisciplined performances that they had uh, leading to certain, you know, not leading off, but, you know, capped with the fully ton of red card. Um, minutes later, Osimhen got a yellow card. When I, and why does that matter? Because uh, this happened just after the goal. There was a goal, obviously, a uh, loose ball in the, in the play. Roma, nice buildup. There's, you know, they're starting to, obviously, with the man advantage now, they got a little bit more, uh, more, more ball possession here. Get into the box, Pellegrini. The captain does a wonderful, you know, capitalizes an opportunity, puts in the back of the net. Wonderful goal by him. Goal of the week candidate there, one nothing. And so more and more pressures mounting on Napoli in this game. Osimhen, who's already on a yellow card, uh, picks up a second yellow. A silly, silly foul. Yeah. A guy who's on a yellow should know better. A guy yeah. of, of his class should know better. And he lost his head, got that red card, and put his team where they had an opportunity to come back. It was all gone at that point. And then, you know, uh, Roma ended up capping off with a Lukaku goal uh, in stoppage time, but uh, two nothing in this game. Two red cards for Napoli. Two goals for Roma. Um, Derby della Sol belongs to Roma. I think uh, Mourinho outclassed uh, Mazzari in this one. Uh, this game was perfectly to their, you know, perfect script for them, and it worked out beautifully for them. Yeah. Uh, so lots of questions for Napoli, but let's 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 stick to Roma first. Uh, thoughts on on their on their game plan and, and what you saw from the scene from 90, 98 minutes in this game. They did exactly what they set out to do, and they won the match. And you can't – you l- listen, there's a beauty to getting into rock fights with teams that don't want to get into rock fights. When you when you know absolutely that you're going to get under their skin if you do it, okay? Paolo Simeone's made a life of this. You know, too, exactly, right? exactly. Um, uh, the, the Pellegrini goal is the goal of the week for me, by the way. It's just okay. a, 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 a wonderful goal. Um, yeah. You yeah. know, just instinctive turning volley with his back to the goal. Um, but you just you, – you saw it. They the, the, the game plan was make use of the chances you get, be efficient because they're going to have more of the ball. When we get it, we're going to create great chances. And I think Roma did. And then when they don't have the ball – Chop away at them, okay? Let them, you know, let's see what they're made of. And I don't feel sorry for Napoli here. I don't. I don't feel sorry for them at all. You got, you're professionals. You have to learn to be able to deal with playing an opponent like this, okay? And you just gave every team in Serie A a blueprint for how they should deal with you, okay? You're going to maybe see Napoli playing against opponents that have a few more enforcers out there in their starting 11, that their sole purpose is to get out there and disrupt the rhythm, okay, and get physical and, and be okay with committing some fouls, okay? So um, you're the defending Serie A champions. You're the Scudetto winners. And you haven't at any point in this season behaved like it, Okay. That's the thing that's got to be very concerning. I don't care who is standing in that technical area. And I'll even go so far to say that if this was Spalletti, I don't think anything would really be that different. Okay? Um, I think that they miss – first of all, they miss Kim Minjai, all right, who had things – who had things very solidified back there. Um, 
You know, I think this combination of Rachmani and Jesus is very fragile. Um, the, uh, you know, Politano for all, all for some of the good things he's done this year showed you in this game why you still can't quite trust him. All right. Ossiman has had an injury and has been out for a period of time and is probably still getting his legs under him to some extent. Yeah. All right. But Fadak Scalia has always been there. And I think that there's a certain part of me that feels like Fadak has been found out in this league. Okay. So now it's time to adjust, trying to get back to finding out what is, what is Fadak strengths, you know, and how do we get him back to performing at a level, um, that will be satisfactory. The other question that I have in this game, um, I know that they say that he played a good game. If you look at certain, certain people, but where the hell was Piotr Zielinski in this game? Yeah, he was, no, okay. he was pocketed. He was pocketed for sure. Exactly. That's the other thing. When you're looking at the front three being very tightly defended. Okay. Um, that's when Zielinski kills you. And he hasn't brought that to the table as often as he did last year. That's another thing that we've got to pay some close attention to, Richard. So, you know, I know we started to, we were trying to talk about Roma and all of this other stuff, but we got to look at Napoli and say, hey, yeah. um, there's a, for, 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 a, for a defending Scudetto winner, there is a real fragility to them. Now, let me come back to Roma real quick. Okay. <laughs> It made me laugh that the Paramount Plus team picked Napoli to win this game because I sat there and said, Roma's going to win this game, okay? Because I don't think this existing Napoli team was man enough for what was going to be what they were going to have to deal with, okay? And we and we figured that and we found that out in ninety minutes. Nice. And and one of them made the comment that not having Smalling was going to matter. I said, have you watched Chris Smalling play this year? It's probably a fucking blessing for Roma <laughs> that Chris Smalling wasn't out there. The current back three is okay. the, best, the best back three at the moment. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Mancini, Lorente, and Dica is their best back three. Yeah. Smalling has been getting just abs- has just been getting absolutely dipped 1v1. Father okay? time is undefeated. Exactly. Exactly. So to sit there and say, well, they don't have Smalling, that's going to be a problem. No, it's not. That's probably an improvement. Yeah. So um, it's it's just so so for me, this is how it's it's a this is how Jose Mourinho. And then you go back to the Europa League final. Did you watch that game against? I mean, that was a street fight yep. against Sevilla. That's how Roma's going to roll to try to get three points here and there against good teams. It's Absolutely. just the way it is. Napoli should have been ready for it. They weren't. Um, and I have no sympathy for Napoli here. Yeah. All right, first of all, uh, the Roman crowd was amazing. Uh, the TIFO that they had before the game, just the singing throughout the game, they were just fantastic. So you knew Roma was going to be ready for this. You knew Mourinho was going to be ready for this team. And um, I thought, you know, Roma, yeah, Roma – Came out well. They had the right mentality. Obviously, the, you know, led by the youngster. Belotti also it was nice to see him. This is the best I've seen Belotti play in a long time without even scoring a goal. Uh, so overall, I think Roma did very well. I think, you know, in terms of, of Napoli, it sucks that Labotta left. I think he left with an injury maybe uh, early in the early in the second half. Uh, but, you know, of all the players on Napoli, Moret was the best player and nobody else seemed to show up. And I think that's the big difference is that Roma came to play a rock fight 
and Napoli just were not prepared at all. I was listening to the uh, Calcio Napoli 24 uh, news channel after the game, and you know they wanted to complain about the ref, but the fact of the matter is the team did not show up. The team didn't show up one bit so ever. Zelensky went missing, and Guisa uh, was fairly fairly quiet for the whole game. Um, just overall, I mean, you didn't hear really anything about Di Lorenzo and Mario Rio other than when they were getting beat by guys. It was just it was not a good performance all the way around. It was an eye-opening performance because um, – one, you know, Mourinho did it again, right? But it's, it's, it's a whole like, all the the whole microscope is now on Mazzari again. Like, look, he, yes, he had a gauntlet to go through, but every game he went through was a loss, and including this one and Derby della Sole, where they were hoping at least to get a draw on this one at the minimum, and they get a, a two nothing loss in this one. I thought unprepared, and I think that's the most worrisome, worrisome thing for me with Napoli is that. They weren't ready for this game. They weren't whatsoever. Yeah. It's like it's like they were surprised that this game was going to happen, and like nobody yeah. was ready for it except for Moret. And so you're not going to win many games when you're when you don't set up to play against one of the best teams in in the in the league. And so they got found out in this game. Um, you talked about how about Ashley being found out. We we talked about this when after Leao won his MVP that mm-hmm. he was going to get found out, which he did, and then he adjusted to get back and in, back into you know the top. Kawada's, Kawada's just like that right now. He's got to figure it I out agree. now and, and find a way to beat the, the double teams, move around more, whatever it takes to get him available because, you know, teams are starting to, you know, figure it out they can double, triple team him and take care of it. I thought uh, Roma did a fantastic job of double teaming on that side, applying, uh, providing the defenders a lot of pressure and coverage to kind of help out there to eliminate those one-on-one opportunities. And so, yeah, and you didn't have to, Rui Patricio didn't have to really be involved in this game. Usually he's the question mark on the team because, you know, is he as good as he once was? No. And he didn't have to, he wasn't a factor in this game. So kudos to Mourinho and, and Roma for really doing what they had to do to get the victory. It's a big boost for them. They're you know, trying to get back to the top four. And then Napoli now, what, sit in seventh place or something? They're in seventh. And, and you know what? They're not in the champion. They're not going to the Champions League next year. They might not make Europe altogether at this rate. I did. I mean, they're not. I just. I. I don't see it. I don't we, see it. We talked about how poor Milan's defense was last year. But this mm-hmm. is worse at the moment. At the moment, um, and with the way the other teams, other seven, eight teams in the you know the top eight teams, including Bologna and Atalanta, now, this is going to be a difficult task. They got to. They got to figure this out quickly. Otherwise, those teams are going to start pulling away from them. I mean, Bologna's in fourth now, so like, it's not. It's not sitting pretty there for Napoli, and it, it got. It's a little bit of crisis mode for me. Yeah. I, it's a it's a big problem. They go to Champions League if Italy gets the fifth spot. I think Italy's going to get the fifth spot. They're going yeah, to the Champions League. Yeah. Problem is, right now, do you take let, – let, let's look at the teams around them, okay? I think Inter, Juve, and Milan are all going back to the Champions League next year. Okay, full stop. And okay. for all of the Milan Twitter people that are sitting there saying, well, Pioli's going to get sacked and all this other stuff, let me tell you something, okay? Milan have a fucking mash unit. Okay. Yeah, they do. And they're third. All right. Or injuries and goals four. So you tell yeah, exactly. So you tell me how they're gonna fall out of these Champions League places when they get everybody back healthy. Yeah. So especially when they're not competing for this season's Champions League. Yeah. So um so let me ask you this. Would uh-huh. you would you put Bologna in the Champions League over Napoli? Well, right now, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, now, now you're talking about on the grand stage, you know, if both teams are healthy, I would probably have Napoli just because they have Osimhen and Cavada. But in present form, with the defense that Bologna has, it would be Bologna for me. Okay. Fiorentina, would you put them over Napoli? I'm I say sure. no. I say no, too. I say no. 
I put Roma in over Napoli. I just, I just had, I have ninety. Mourinho, yes, I, yeah. I have ninety-eight minutes of evidence that tells me that Roma's in over Napoli. <laughs> yeah, there you okay. go. Yeah. But let's look at the couple of teams beneath beneath Napoli. Atalanta. Uh, ooh, uh, they are. Uh, I'm gonna say no, just because we never know what they're gonna get with them. They have the talent, but they're sometimes up, sometimes down. I'm gonna say yes. They should have beaten. They should have beaten Bologna on Saturday. We're gonna talk mm. about that. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, Lazio. No, I picked up second place, but no. Okay, so I would take Roma and Atalanta for sure over Napoli. Uh, Bologna, I'm on the fence. Yep. Um, and and Fiorentina, I just I think defensively they could be too. They're just a bit too fragile. Yeah. So that's just kind of where I'm at. Um, yep. And then I, I'm with you. I think Lazio's Lazio's a no. So yep. you know, I I think it's going to be really really hard for Napoli form that they're in, state that they're in to be back in the UEFA Champions League next season. They probably will sneak in. They'll backdoor their way in. But, boy, it's a big ask with the way they're playing and with the way things are going. Yeah, and the way so, the teams around them are playing. Yeah, absolutely. So so I alluded to it, so let's talk about it, Richard. Bologna and Atalanta, uh, another marquee game. As Bologna games are now all becoming marquee games suddenly. <laughs> yeah, you have to. Um, you, you just have to talk about them at this point. Uh, so the uh, the lineups that uh, were in front of us here, Richard, we had Bologna going, Skorupski in goal, Posh, Boykema, Calafiori, and Lukumi across the back, Froiler and Moro uh, in the double pivot, Ndoi and Salamak flanking uh, Lewis Ferguson kind of in that attacking midfield with Zerxe up front. 3-4-1-2 um, for Atalanta, Kondosecki in goal, Scalvini, Jim City, Kolasinac across the back. Uh, the wingbacks were Hatabor and Ruggeri. Deron and Ederson behind Cup Miners uh, with De Ketelare and Lukman up front. Uh, thoughts? Okay, so I'll start with Bologna. Obviously, it's a pretty standard lineup for them. Froehler against his former team. I was curious to see how he would perform. I expected him to perform well against his former team. Uh, but overall, it's a, it's a standard lineup. It's it's surprising and funny to me that uh, Salamakras continues to get in the starting lineup. But, you know, he proves to be... A winner because he was with Milan when they were in the Champions League spots last year and the year before they won a Scudetto, and now he's with a good Bologna team. So, hey, maybe he's the, the missing piece, right? But uh, overall, Bologna fairly standard lineup. And then with Atalanta, um, it was kind of second goal. I was curious to see how that was going to work out. But I think overall, it was interesting, interesting lineup to see. Also, De Catalare and Lookman's get the start in this one. Um, obviously, you know, Coop Miners is going to be heavily involved in how he was going to play into this. But the midfield is the way it's Who's going to win the midfield? I thought this game had a chance to be a a entertaining chess match because I think you have both teams can play defensively. Uh, both teams have attacking prowess, and who would who would you know be on the forefront versus the other one? Um, who would win out? I thought uh, you know we 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 know Atalanta when they want to play defense they can, and and Bologna has one of the best defenses in the league. So this is going to be a chess match for me that I thought would be a, an entertaining one, and I think we got it in this one. Yeah, we definitely did. Um, uh, Vincent, Calif- you, you would not want Califiore at Roma, and I'll tell you why. He would be playing wing left wing back. <laughs> he would start, and then he would be off at, he would be off at halftime. Yeah. Um, that's how they managed him. So they would just go back to doing that. They didn't have the foresight to realize that maybe he might have some some center back to him. And then, you know, we're, we're, this is where Tiago Mota did a really good job. And, and that's not that's not Mourinho's. Mourinho's a good manager. He's done a really nice job with Roma. He just didn't do – you know, he didn't have the foresight to see uh, with Calafiori what Tiago Mota has been able to turn him into. Yep. It depends. So, 
Okay. Um, so anyway, so we get into this game. You know, and as I'm watching this, Richard, I'm just sitting here and I'm saying, okay, eventually this is this is this is where it ends for Bologna. This is where this fairy tale kind of gets broken down a little bit and all of this other stuff. Because Atalanta, first of all, they pressed beautifully. Yeah. And 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 won the ball through the middle third, won the ball in Bologna's third, and were creating chances off of winning off of pressure. Um it was kind of head scratching for me that Muriel didn't get the start over Decatelare because of the form that Muriel was in. But I think some of that has to do with the tactics and how you manage your substitutions. It's like, okay, we're going to let Decatelare run at these guys for a little bit. And then after 60 minutes, Muriel comes on and decides the game. Okay. Yep. Yep. And you know what? In theory, and as this game unfolded, Gasparini really got that right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I, Bologna was lucky not to be down about, you know, at least by two at halftime. Um, but uh, and Atalanta continued to press Bologna into problems, continued to create all of the chances, and 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 Bologna is that punch drunk fighter that keep, keeps taking punch after punch after punch after punch after punch, and then throws the sucker punch late in the game on the corner uh, that is scored by Ferguson uh, to win the game one 0 To me, Richard, that's really how this game went, and yes. Did, did Bologna have more of the ball in this game? Yes. Were they efficient as efficient with their chances as Atalanta were? No. Um, I, I walk away from this game saying, this is a lucky three points for Bologna. This is a look what I found three points for Bologna. But you got to have games like this go in your favor if you're trying to achieve the goals that Bologna appeared to be in a position to achieve. Yeah. Um, I, I slightly disagree. And I always say slightly. I think this team was... This game was two teams who match up very, very well. I thought both managers got the got their tactics spot on. I thought, um, to your point, I thought Atalanta were putting the onus on the pressure on on Bologna. Bologna were doing very, very well to soak up that pressure and not and not give away the, the super dangerous position. It seemed like when the ball got into the box, their own yeah. box, they tightened up and they cleared it out. But yeah. you know, Atalanta looked dangerous when they came down there. The Catalade had a nice, good, good shot. Lookman had a couple opportunities. Coop Miners as well. Um, Ederson as well. But you know they bent but didn't break, and what we what we've seen with teams, even Inter, they 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 know how to play defense when they have to, and just wait for the opportunity. I mean, I think you talk about efficiency, one shot on goal, one goal for Bologna. Uh, that, everything else is missed. They missed the net on the other shots yeah. that they had. Um, but I thought you know uh, Atalanta looked good. I, I was I was impressed to see how. I wasn't expecting to be that good looking in this game against Bologna. I thought Bologna was going to really like take him out of their games. I think it was Atalanta taking Bologna out of their game really and and putting the onus on them with that pressing that you talked about. And so I, I was I was really looking for Atalanta maybe get the early opening goal and it just never came because once they got into the 18 yard box, Bologna shut down the shop. Uh, and then to their credit, same same thing the other way. Anytime you know they got into the box, it was just far shots, easy shots for Karnaseki. He really wasn't threatening the game until late. I think the 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 main bright spot for me, which is everybody's darling at the moment, Joshua Xerxes, his yeah. vision is fantastic. He had yeah. some unbelievable vision and passing in this game. The guys just missed. Lewis Ferguson missed one earlier. Uh, Froehler missed one. And Doyle missed one. Uh, Salmakers as well. He's got some great vision for a big man. Um, mm-hmm. And he comes back so deep and has the pace to get back into the play. But other than that, you know, I think Atalanta you know, did a really good job of kind of like dictating this game. I fully expected him to get the, all three points. But then, you, like you said, they hit him with a counter punch. Uh, an old uh, 
uh, what was that old uh, British boxer Lennox Lewis jab that went for the knockout, you know, at the end of the game, yeah. 86 men, whatever, Lewis Ferguson. So, uh, you know, kudos to them. I think this thing, this game tells me two things. One is that Bologna can take the hits, can just, you know, block everything out, shut up, you know, close up shop at the 18 yard box, not be threatened, and then find ways. It's important for a winner to team who's in the top four to find ways to win these kind of games, which they did. Mm. Two, Atalanta. Showed a little bit of gumption that I didn't think they had. They went up against a team that's a, on a super super roll right now. They just got obviously a big win in Coppa Italia over, during the uh, during the week, and they hung with them. They really could have won this game, like you said. They could have had a couple goals in the first half. Probably could have had a couple in the second half, but uh, they just got to find that final third or whatever it is and and get that goal. But uh, kudos Atalanta, despite the loss, they should leave with their heads hung high with this loss. I know they're not going to, but I, I was impressed with Atalanta in this game despite the loss. Yeah, I mean, this is where I almost think that, you know, I mean, we're talking about the two teams that lost. You know, this is where I rate Atalanta higher than Napoli. Um, okay, I can see that. You know, at the current moment yeah. on form. Um, but um, I, I do want to talk about a player on Atalanta, Giorgio Scalvini. Okay, mm-hmm. as I was watching this game, um, it's evident. I mean, if there's ever a guy that's a three – center back defender it's him yeah. okay um he, you know and how i think with some of the games that i have seen him play recently for atalanta we're gonna spotlight him a little bit you know because we want to spotlight a player here and there <laughs> and you know i know that people are talking about scalvini but i think a lot of people wrote scalvini off after the qualifier against england where he yeah. got abused i think that he was a square peg in a round hole in that yeah. formation. Well, I, I think he is much better suited in a three center back where if you watch him, he loves to drift. Okay. And he loves to get into some attacking positions where he likes to pass. He likes to make a dangerous pass and things like that. You can't do that in a back four where you're one of two center backs. Okay. You're expected to hold the line uh, and be in a position where you and, and, and your partner in the back are, are outnumbering the striker from the other team if they're playing with one striker, for example, like England did with Harry Kane. Um, That takes away a lot of what Scalvini likes to do. And I think Gasparini is seeing that. And I think that he is starting to frame his Atalanta team where he's got guys like Jim City and Kolasinac um, that, you know, can, uh, can maybe provide him some support. Uh, another thing that I think you might find interesting when you take a look at this. Okay, so Scalvini goes forward, um, you know, tries to help join the attack. When he does that, obviously, Jim City sits back. Jim City very rarely crosses the midfield line. And I'm looking at these heat maps. It's hilarious to me. Um, you know, only to maybe get forward on a corner kick here and there. And that's about right, it. Right. Okay. Uh, but Daron will probably just – when Scalvini is going forward, you're seeing Daron dropping back and, and offering some protection. So you're seeing a lot of that. They're finding a way to make use of his talents, and I think he's very effective, you know, as a guy that and, – and it creates something a little bit different that you're not used to seeing uh, when you play against a three-man defense. Usually you see three-man defenses hold the line like a two-man center back pairing does. Okay. Um but that was something that, I mean, in that game, for whatever reason, and I know that Atalanta lost the game, but I've watched Atalanta between this and Europa League, and I'm seeing Scalvini being this guy that, man, for a center back, you're 
you're in the other team's third an awful lot in in positions where you can be dangerous. He reminds me a lot of, especially with uh, his aptitude for playing in a, in a back three, is Bastoni, who played usually on the other side. Sure. And he likes to get up on the attack a lot. Uh, he seems more comfortable in the back three versus uh, back four. Um, where the especially when he's on the on the on the on the side where he doesn't have to be so much a central defender and worry about the defense where he can kind of push up take those risks. I thought in this game, uh, Jim City was played very well as a compliment to Scalvini for sure. Uh, Ederson is another guy who drew my attention in this game. Had a wonderful opportunity. Yeah, uh, late in the game, he should have scored. He should have scored. He really should have. But uh, overall, I think he had a, a good game. He's becoming more and more an important player with the rune in that middle middle there. And it, it's a great compliment to Coop Miners, who does like to surge up now. And he's now given the freedom to go up with, you know, with, a, with the knowledge, knowing he has two guys back there who can defend and, and help him out when he makes those marauding runs. And so, uh, yeah, the, the midfield trio, if you want to call it that, of Atalanta really you know, did well in this game, I thought. And it's, uh, yeah, they could have easily won this game or at least got a point out of this. And you know, credit to Bologna for closing up the shop there. And Skorupski, when he had to come up big, he came up big a couple of times. I remember one time he came out and uh, who was it? I think it was Ederson. Where, yeah, that play on Ederson the first half where he came out and he got taken out, but he, he made the save. Big save on him yeah. by, by stretching his body. So yeah, it was a good, good game overall. A great chess match, like I said. And I think both managers had the tactics right. It just... That late jab at the end of the match had a knockout, uh, and and then Lewis Ferguson sealed the deal with uh, you know the clutch finish. So you know, kudos to them. Yep, for sure, for sure, no doubt about it. Oh my, oh my! I so Bologna now a threat for top four, top five. We might need to start thinking about top five with how things shake out with the coefficients. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then how that shapes out the rest of the conversation, Europa League and otherwise. We'll see. Um, so let me ask you this because you know the, the topic is Bologna. Can they sustain this for the rest of the season, or is at some point does this fizzle out? I mean, our our worry the whole time has not been how talented they are; it's the depth. Yeah, uh, we're starting to see depth in many positions now. But again, it's uh, still who. What happens if you know, heaven forbid, Xerxes gets injured? Uh, what happens then? Mm-hmm. He's been so amazing for them. Uh, has been so key for some of the big victories and goals, especially in the last week, but you know, maybe in the last month or two. Uh, what happens if he goes down? Do they have a good complement of backup? Obviously, in goal, they have a good goalie. They have some good depth in, in different positions. Okay depth, I should say. Um, I think the way this team plays defense, it's sustainable. But my my worry, and I think your worry is the same as too, is what happens if Xerxes goes down? Do you have a plan B? And I don't know that they do. Uh, maybe this January they go and find out a backup striker. I don't know. But... Uh, I think the the way this team plays defense, they play for each other. The way they have you know Salamaker and companies going helping out defensively, um, they're good enough defensively to make this sustainable. It just what happens with you know injuries happen, which you know teams like Milan know very well about. Uh, that's that's my big question mark with them. What about you? Can you buy into Sidney Van Hoydonk? <clears throat> you know that's 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 that, yeah. that's a question if you're a Bologna fan. Because yeah. that's the next man up if Xerxes goes down. Yeah. There's lineage. His dad was really damn good. For sure. Good. For sure. Pierre, Pierre, Pierre was as good a Pierre was a, a a underrated dead ball finisher. Um, you know, I, I mean when you talk about set piece finishes, you're gonna gravitate to the Roberto Carlos, David Beckham, for sure. Pierre Lowe, guys like that. Um 
but Van Hoyd, I, there was a, one of the cup finals, like in the, in the early two thousands where Van Hoydonk scored a screamer, uh, from a dead ball situation. His dad talking about his dad. Yeah. 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 So, um, I think, you know, he probably went out and birth, you know, conceived his son that night. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's really damn, it might be really damn close. It might be that close. Yeah. Well, we'd, we'd have to look it up to just verify it, but you never know. Um, uh, but, uh, um, you know, that's, again, we, we, we keep revisiting it. We keep beating it to death, but that is the concern. Xerxes yep. goes down. Can you trust Van Hoydonk yeah. um, in that role? Or do you false nine it somehow? Or, you know, they went with Endoy. I thought it was curious that they went with uh, uh, Endoy and Salamakers on the flanks, and they didn't have Orsolini playing from the start. Um, they could put Orsolini in a false nine if, that was a, if they had to. I don't think that works. Um, I mean, I, think I don't think you it works. Need to have either, him in, in, in wide areas where you can provide service, and he's got to get it to someone. Would you put Endoy there if if not Van Hoydunk? As a guy that could probably stretch Stress. people, he's not gonna. You're not gonna. You're not gonna ask him to be a target and do no. what Nerzi does. You're, no. you're gonna have to shift your tactics. Yeah, I think you're gonna. They're gonna have to make Van Hoydunk work. You know, I would be curious if Bologna finds somebody in January. Yeah. for depth. That yeah. they're they're gonna have to, okay, just to have the numbers and just maybe even to just have the competition and training. Yeah. Um. So it, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, that is my biggest worry. I love Boykema. I think he's a player. I do. Um. And he is going to be next week. We're going to have some midseason teams. Our uh, our squad that if you know it, but then also my you ought to know eleven or you better know eleven. And uh, uh, Mr. Boykema is going to be in it. Spoiler alert. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. Um. So. Uh, you better know who this guy is if you're all gushing over Zerkze and some of the things that they do going forward. You better pay a little attention to what they're doing the, doing in the back because through 17 games, Bologna's only conceded 12 goals. That's a big, big part of why they've been so successful. Yeah, and guys so, like Califuri as well, you know, having a great, great season as well. So, uh, Oh, definitely. I mean, that's just insane that, you know, Wing back at Roma, and then now comes to Bologna, and Motta's turned him into a center back. That's as good a coaching job, absolutely, across all of Serie A as you're going to see. And I've said this so. before, and I'll say it again. I just feel so happy for Skorupski that he finally has a good team in front of him. I mean, for, for yeah. years he's had to make a million saves a game, and he's always had bad teams in front of him. Now he's got a good team in front of him, and when he needs to be called upon, he's there. Uh, so it's good for him that he's got a team that he can actually challenge for a possible Champions League spot now where pretty much the rest of his career is battling in the relegation zone, you know, so good for him. He's a quality keeper. It's just about time he's got some a good team in front of him, so. 100%. 100%, sir. Oh, my. Well, how about the rest of Match Week 17? Because while Roma, Napoli, Bologna, Atalanta were fun, uh, there were 16 other teams playing. We should probably talk about them, too. Yeah, yeah, we should. We should. Uh, Salonitana hosting Milan. It's the uh, people in Zaghi Derby, if you will, uh, looking mm-hmm. like Simone and Zaghi in this one. Uh, goal scoring will start early on. Uh, goal of the week candidate Leal makes a nice pass over to Tamori in the box, puts it away. One nothing. Looks like Milan is in cruise control. Uh, but then uh, an old face reemerges, Fazio on the set piece. He's never been really good, but he's good. At, he's always been good at set pieces. He's, he's a good, he's a great jumper of the ball. Uh, gets the goal, equalizes in the 42nd minute. They go to halftime, 1-1. One, one. Uh, and then, you know, we, we continue to say Mike Magnon is, continues to have uh, the yips this year. Is not, it's certainly a, a, a level down there when he was last year. Uh, uh, terrible giveaway or terrible goal against Kadreva. Kadreva, full credit to take a shot on goal. 
Magnon misreads it. Two to one at that point in the 63rd minute. And look like, uh-oh, here we go. An upset again. Pioli's on a uh, job alert here. Um, but Luka Jovic, the hottest member on Milan, scores again. Was the third, fourth game in a row for him. Uh, salvages uh, Pioli's job for the time being, perhaps. Uh, 2-2 in that one. Moving on to Empoli against Lazio. Lazio uh, going against a, a team like Empoli who do know how to score the ball. They play entertaining football. Just to give up a lot of goals. Yeah. Lazio, Lazio struggled in this one, I thought, very well. I thought Empoli did a good job of uh, making it difficult. Obviously, Lazio started out the way they wanted to. Uh, getting a goal by Guendouzi early on in ninth minute. But after that, it was you know tough sailing for them to try to find another goal. It wasn't until Zakani had three shots on tar- three shots on the on on, an, on the effort uh, to get the second goal. Lazio went two nothing against uh, Empoli in that one on the road. Moving on to Sassuolo and Genoa. Uh, speaking of job alert, Panatone alert. Uh, Dionisi felt a little better. 28th minute, Pianamonte scored a goal, made a one nothing. He's like, okay, okay, we're good. It was Genoa. Don't worry about it. Uh, then they give him a penalty in the second half, 64th minute. Goodmanson steps up and puts it away, one one. And then Ekuban, Ekuban does it yet again. Late game winner in the 87th minute, steals all three points. Is Panatone going to be on the menu for Dionisi or not? We'll find out here in probably coming days. Uh, moving on to Monza Fiorentino, another big game this weekend. wasn't as good as the top two, but it was it was certainly an entertaining matchup here. And this one, um, goal scoring would start early in the seventh minute. Bell trying to get a goal, made a one nothing. We thought we'd maybe have some goals here. A lot of good youngsters on both teams. However, that was it. Um, Di Gregorio obviously makes a costly mistake, ends up leading to the whole game, loses all three points because of that mistake in the seventh minute. Uh, Fiorentina win one nothing in that game, and now they're what fifth in the table as a result. Uh, moving on to Saturday, those are all Friday games. Saturday, moving on to Saturday, uh, the Juventus derby, I guess, here, right? Frosinone B or Juventus B against Juventus A. Frosinone hosting Juventus in this one with the uh, many lone players from Juventus, it seems like, on Frosinone. Uh, goal scoring will start early. Uh, Keenan Yildaz, goal of the week candidate in the 12th minute, the debut goal for him, a wonderful goal, by, by the way, to have it. Beats three guys and beats the keeper short side. Um, then in the 51st minute, um, Baez makes a 1-1 nice goal from the right hand, right wing side. Uh, looked like we had a nice game on here in terms of you know maybe leveling points, but uh, Vlahovic came up big late in the game. Weston McKinney, wonderful cross, finds uh, Vlahovic. Excellent header to put it on target. Two to one, Juventus win this game. It was an entertaining game. Frozenoni, man, uh, every, all their games seem to be entertained. They're a good team. EDF, yeah. uh, EDF has certainly got his name back after three bad. Uh, his last three cents were really horrible. So, uh, but Juve get all three points. Did what they had to do. Moving on to Torino, hosting Udinese. Udinese got the goal scoring started late in the game, eighty first minute. Uh, this was a rock fight, if you will. Um, looked like they were going to get all three points, but then a costly, costly error by Silvestri led to an Illich goal in the 88th minute. One, one, they share the points. I don't know what Silvestri was thinking. He was probably watching Di Gregorio on the last play, last game to make that silly error on him. Uh, Hellas against Galeri, a regular relegation six pointer. Um, this game was tight. Uh, chances going on both out both ways, but really 51st minute when Makumbu picks up a red card, changes the game minutes after the red card in Gonj, the guy we see really Gonj, the guy we talk about all season long, uh, gets a goal, makes a one nothing. That's really all they needed. Jurich got a, a consolation goal in the, in the 90th minute to make it two nothing, but Hellas big three points in the relegation fight there uh, against Kaliri. Uh, moving on to the champions or champions elect, possibly <laughs> Inter. Hosting Lecce, uh, this was a difficult game for for Inter, as you would expect. Lecce played difficult home and away. 
good game going back and forth uh, in this one. Uh, and we had a, an emergence. We talked about Yildiz uh, with Juventus. Jan Besek for Inter. Really great debut, a gr- great game by him uh, for a youngster to do so well. Uh, gets a goal in the 43rd minute. Wonderful header of the ball. He's another talented player on, on a set piece that they have at their disposal now um, with the guys who can cross in the ball. Gets a one nothing at halftime. It's a tough rock fight of a game. Really, Lecce are giving Inter everything they have. Um, looks like it's only going to be one goal, but then we see a goal of the week candidate. Arnautovic pulls a wonderful assist out of his ass. Literally, uh, finds Barella, who finishes it well. Goal of the week candidate there in the 78th. 2 nothing. Inter win a hard-fought victory, as you know, expect a, a team who is uh, leading the table to do. Uh, that would be our 10 games of the weekend. Uh, where do you want to start? It's huh, a good question. Um, <laughs> so it's a good question. I mean, you can talk about Inter and and and, and Juve winning, rinsing, repeating. Um, yeah. I mean, I I don't think I've seen a Milan lack as much discipline as the one that came out and played at Salerno Town on Friday. Um, you know. Hey, a lot of the Milan Twitter we're talking about. Leo looked so disinterested. Teo played so Teo played so undisciplined. Jovic is the only one who looked good. What's that? Jovic is the only one who looked good in that game. He came out for a couple minutes. You know what? And and Jovic is is, is certainly a guy that is starting to kind of get more and more comfortable. And yeah, you know, we'll just have to see how that where we go with this. But I mean, Giroud can't play forever. No, that's um, right. But yeah, exactly. So at some point, you got to make a decision here. Um, but, uh, but I like, you know, um, it, it was a frustrating game for Milan. Lucky to get out of there with a point. Yeah. Um, I think we can start there. Uh, we look at Fiorentina, they snatch a win. They kind of keep the pressure on things. And now that they're not playing in the conference league and they've got a chance to get a few, they can get themselves on a winning run here. Um, they have won, they've been unbeaten in their last four, three wins and a draw. Um, you go further down. Lazio just need to desperately start winning games here. Yeah. Um, they found a way to get it done. It came at a cost, though. Luis Alberto and Chirimoli both left the game uh, about 25 minutes in, uh, really collectively, uh, when you take a look at it. Um, you know, so those would be the things that you're taking a look at at the top of the table um, without talking about some of the other games that went on. I mean, there's not much to say about Inter. They just go about their, like I said, they go about their business. You knew they were going to get three points at home against Lecce. Um, Juve's finding way to win, finding ways to win, I should say. Um, and then you go to the bottom. It's like, it's an Empoli team that can play pretty football. They've got technical players, but, Damn, they can't score goals. They have the, they they have ten goals through seventeen games. Yeah. It is desperately the worst goal total in this league. Yeah. Um, and then you're looking at some of this, some of these other guys. You know, Verona coming away with a, uh, you know, with a win recently. Um, and you know, and Sassuolo continued this inexplicable free fall. Um, you know, and Dionisi still has a job, which which is kind of crazy to me. Um, we're talking about Frozen only being an entertaining team, but I guess here's where I stand with Frozen Okay. I guess I admire Di Francesco 
and I admire Frozen only for the approach that they're 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 taking. Um, very, you know, you get teams that get promoted, and they probably played a certain way in City B that got them promoted in the City A. They played attractive. They scored a lot of goals. They did this. And they come to City A, and they got to completely change their tactics, and they have a whole bunch of players who aren't comfortable with doing that, and then they're just terrible. Frozen only sticking to what they know. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, and I think that's the thing that we can talk about when all of you guys in the chat, we're, we're talking about, you know, Frozen Oni. Reno saying Frozen Oni is a good team. Frozen Oni plays in a, attempts to play an attractive brand of football. The problem is, is that they don't have the players that can keep up with the traditional powers in this league. You know, is that enough for them to stay up for a year? Or will the defensive fragility do them in and they're going straight back down? I think um, they do a better job than would, like, say, in Empoli. Because Empoli, when they came up you know, the, from Seti B, they continued to play that attacking style, but they gave up no onus on the defense and they were getting goals scored left and right of them. Frozen on is trying to make an effort defensively, but they're not as good, like you mentioned, mm-hmm. to to keep up with some of these teams. I thought in this uh, in this game, I think they certainly can keep up. I think the way they've been playing this year, I think it's unfortunate for them that uh, one of the biggest games of, of the season for them, the two best players, Kyle George and and um, and Sule, both Juventus Lonies, had their worst games against their parent club. Uh, and I'm not saying it was anything conspiracy or anything. I'm just saying they had a bad. Oh, game. that was conspiracy. They, 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 <laughs> come on. You're gonna play your parent club. You want them to win the scudetto. You're not gonna. You're, you're probably gonna throw this one for them. So, but like I said, it was like unfortunate for them because if they played their their best game, this could have been. It could have easily been a draw of a game because those two, those two guys, two hell of a players right there. But I think the way Fresno is playing this year, they're they're finding ways to hide their weaknesses, master weaknesses, if you will, and continue to play this attractive style of football. And so far, it hasn't bit them just yet. They're they're languishing in the bottom of mid table at the moment, what fourteenth place. Uh, so it's working out. Like you said, their their defense is good enough. Maybe just you know, if they have the funds, go this uh, this this January and try to get more depth in the defense because I think they're going to need it because it's certainly not Steady Alk level at the moment. Yes, they ran yeah. away with Steady B last year, but that's Steady B. This is a different beast. Uh, offensively, they show they can play. Somewhat with with everyone else in the league, defensively they got to shore up some things and, and tighten things up. So I think uh, I I have hopes that now now that I've seen them for a while that they can hold up compared to some of the teams that are below them. I think they're they are better than those teams that are you know th- I mean they're fourteenth right. So of the six teams below them, I would say they're probably better than all maybe probably all of them. Mm-hmm. So they're they're better than Sassuolo, you think? Presently, yeah, with Dionisi, yeah. I think once they get a new manager, if they get a new manager, then they could leap, leapfrog by them. Because I'll agree on the other teams. Yeah, Sassuolo's the one the one team. If they keep Dionisi all year, yeah, they're going to beat the Sassuolo. But um, yeah, Verona, Zudanese, who's looked better, but still not that great. Cali, certainly, Empoli, and Salernitana, yeah, they're better than all those two teams, all those teams. I'll say this, though. Um, I think that... The talent at Sassuolo is better. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, And I think, despite the fact that they were hugely disappointed this week, 
uh, I'll go ahead and say it. I think that with Ranieri as manager and with the players at his disposal and with the way he's been able to manage them, yeah. I can see Cagliari getting to a point where they have more points than Frosinone before the end of the season. Yeah, it's possible. Um, you know, I, I would not rule that out. And I think that Cagliari has every opportunity to survive. The uh, The question now that becomes interesting is, is, is it Udinese or is it Verona that takes that, that takes the fall in this case? I think it'll be Udinese. Um, I, think it, I think it'll be Verona, yeah. Um, it. I, I would not be surprised if it would be Verona, okay? <laughs> um, another player that's going to make the uh, You Better Know team on Verona, Cyril Ngonja. Mm-hmm. Um, too good to be on that team. He's yeah. going to find work somewhere else. So, yeah. Joe, we were just talking about Calgary, and it, it, we just start talking. The second we start talking about Calgary, look who pops in the chat. His ears are burning there, you know. Like he was like, <laughs> I don't think he wanted to contribute in the chat. He's been listening the whole time, <laughs> and now we're starting to talk, talk Calgary. So, he, so George turns up in the chat. Buon Natale, George. Buon Natale, George. Good to have you. Good to have you with us, regardless whether you were just kind of lying in wait, waiting for us to talk about your team, or or uh, or uh, if you just finally jumped on. So, yeah. Um, he literally just got on. <laughs> I think George is a sure. George is a solid guy that I think that we can believe that, right? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, which kind of leads me to my next question. You and I are in agreement that Calgary is the most likeliest of the three currently in relegation to get out of it. Yes. But it's not one of those that we're just asking hypothetically. I actually think that they're figuring things out to a point where they will get out of it. Yeah. I agree. No, I I agree. I I think, you know, with with the talent that they have, obviously they have guys like, Pavoletti and and I think Lavombo in particular, but also Macombo and some of these other guys, they got some talent on the team. And I think Ranieri is finding a way to get them to play tougher, make it difficult for their opponents. We've seen that uh, in the last you know month or so, and then finding a way to get the results when they can, right? whether it be uh, Pavoletti later or whatever. Um, they're finding ways to get things done, and I, I I I do like the momentum that they've had out of as of late. Udinese. They play better defensively, but they're still struggling to score. They they have they're having finding difficulties to either get Sabarchich free enough or finding the ball to Luca, who is a who's proven to be a, a player to keep an eye out for because he can put the ball away when he's given given the service. So Udinese, I'm still like I'm still up and down on. I think they're right there with Cagliari. It's for me Verona, who I question. Yeah, they have you know Cyril Ngonj, who's a fantastic player in my opinion, uh, and Jurich, who can come up with the with the the, the Pocket goal here and there, but overall they've been very disappointing. Verona have obviously they beat Cagliari, so that helps them in their relegation fight. But uh, overall, I would I would tend to lean towards Cagliari and over Verona. So for me, if you know looking at the, the bottom five teams, Verona is probably the team for me that's most likely to be in that relegation fight with Empoli and Salernitana at the moment. Yep, and it's not out of the question for Genoa to get pulled back into this, but I think they've got enough no. talent to stay up. Yeah, Lecce has proven it too. So I think we're looking the 16 to 20 is pretty much telling us the story. Um, if there's anybody in the, you know, from 12 to 15 that I would look at that I would still have my concerns with is it is for those only just for the defensive part of it and the propensity to concede goals because they've conceded 28, which is 
uh, tied for fourth worst in this league. Uh, fifth worst, actually. Um, you know, that I think Sassuolo has the talent to eventually figure it out and they'll overcome them. So I don't think Frosinone's story has been completely told here. I don't think they're safe. And I don't think they think they're safe either. Yeah. So um, it's going to be very interesting how it unfolds. But I'm, I'm starting to warm up to the idea that I think Caliody is going to survive yeah. and be back in City on next season. Yeah. So it's just, uh, you know, at the expense of what team? You say Verona, I say Udinese. Um, if Samardis is sold in January, then the case for Udinese becomes stronger. For sure. Um, you know, so... It, it, it will be interesting. And I think we're bracing ourselves for a very interesting relegation fight because, you know, last year we had to come down to literally, we had to come down to a playoff. Uh, Verona had to beat Spezia on the, you know, in a playoff. Yeah. Because they were tied on points. So, um, you know, I made my, I made my call last year that as bad as Verona was playing at this time last year, I said, everybody, I said, I said, they're staying up. They're going to make it. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Um, so we'll see. Uh, but it'll be, it's, you know, very, very interesting to see how that's developing. Um, you know, as you kind of get into the mid table stuff, um, they're there, they're making up the numbers really at this point. Um, you know, because I look at Torino, they could get on a run here. They've got the players to do it. I just, yeah. I look at the nine teams in front of them and I can't figure out at whose expense they're going to do it, who, who it's going to happen towards. Yeah. You know, Mons is the same way. Lecce, I think that's their ceiling is 12th. I picked them 13th in my preseason. Uh, yeah, you know, I think standings. that's just, I agree with that. Yeah. So I think when you're kind of looking at those guys, you're kind of looking at teams that are just making up the numbers at this point. Yeah. So, um, but interesting, it's going to be, you know, I mean, the things are really, I mean, this is where you, you're getting to the middle of the season. Things are taking shape. You've got a good hang of, okay, who are the title contenders? Who's contending for Champions League? Who's contending for Europe? Who's doing well? Great, but we need the other shoe to drop, and we think the other shoe will drop. And, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're seeing that unfold with everybody at this point. We might learn something from Lazio Frosinone this weekend because uh, both Lazio are trying to get back into the in the European con- uh, contention, and then Frosinone are they are they good enough to battle a team that's a predominant you know seven sisters? So we'll get a lot we get the, we'll get a lot of information about both these teams next this week upcoming weekend. So that's going to be an interesting game. Uh, you've got Fiorentina and Torino, yeah, uh, which could be kind of a bit of a trap game for Fiorentina. You just got to watch out for that. Um, you know, and then you've got Juve and Roma on uh, yeah. December 30, uh, you know, this Saturday, uh, 245 Eastern. You want two teams that are just going to physically beat the dog shit out of each other. Mind games <laughs> and the rock fight. Oh, that's going to be a fun Yes. Game. Yes. Uh, that's going to be one nil either way. Yep. <laughs> yeah. There's not going to be one more than one goal in that game. If you like guys that are just going to hack each other to pieces for 90 minutes, Juve Roma is for you. Check it out on Saturday. I, I'll I'll tune in. Obviously, I have to for this podcast. And then uh, then you'll be on. We'll also be on Panatone watch with uh, Milan Sassuolo with both managers there. So. Yeah, Milan and Sassuolo in particular. Yeah. Uh, well, it's Christmas. They've had their Panatone with their club, so yeah, yeah. Um, they probably may not be ringing in the new year with their club. We'll it's just true. have to. We'll just have to see. 
Uh, goal of the week. You actually have a dishonorable top five. I'll just write, I'll, I'll, I'll straight out say it. My goal of the week was uh, Pellegrini's goal uh, for Roma against Napoli. Okay, cool. My goal of the week is uh, Keenan Yildiz from Juventus. Uh, debut goal for him. Wonderful goal. Beats three players and scores a goal. But I, ha- I do have a dishonorable top yeah. five or top four. So number four for me is Silvestri on the Illich goal. What the hell was he thinking late in the game? Way out of his box. Let the ball go over his head. Ridiculous by him. Number three, Mike Magnon on Cadreva's goal. Like, what are you doing? He's trying to blame the defender for saying he can't see. Like, you you want to be a world-class goalkeeper. You have to stop those. You have to, especially when the team's playing bad. you got to stop those, and he did not. Number two, um, the last two are, are from the same game, but uh, number two, Kone, Ikone from Fiorentina. Wide open net. Beats the keeper. Beats the Gregorio. All he has to do is put it in the back of the net, and he hits it into D'Ambrosio somehow. Has a whole net to shoot. Hits a D'Ambrosio. That's one of the worst open net misses you'll see. Uh, could have played a pivotal role in the matchup. It didn't for him, yeah. luckily, but uh, that was terrible by him. Number one is going to go to Di Gregorio. Uh, terrible giveaway to perfect pass to uh, to Beltran to score the goal. It was a costly mistake. Cost this team three points uh, for a team that's you know could have used that. They could. They certainly played well enough that they could have got at least a one point in this game. Di Gregorio, who's a wonderful goalkeeper, we've talked about. You know flirtations with the with the azuri team um that's a big big mistake he'll get over it but that was a horrible horrible for me that's number one for me dishonorable mention there so okay okay like i said i'm just going with pellegrini goal of the week um i'm with you anthony i i like yield is his goal but I, it's a second for me so yeah um all right well we had a couple of upsets in the Coppa italia as we're as, as yeah. that competition is kind of integrating into our lives here richard yeah, the two. You know, we we tend not to pay attention too much to the Coppa Italia here in City. Sit down until it gets in the later rounds. However, two teams uh, of note, you know, had some uh, embarrassing losses in this one. The first, the most embarrassing, I think, was Napoli losing to Frosinone. Uh, heavy rotation by Napoli in this one. Uh, uh, their lineup consisted of uh, Golini and Gold, Rui, Natan, Ostegard, and Zanoli in defense. Uh, Gaetano, Dem, and Cajuste in the midfield with Lindstrom, Simeone, and Raspadori up top. And they got shellacked by Frosinone 4 nothing. An embarrassing match, embarrassing game. Um, <laughs> I know they had some high hopes of, of making it deep into the Coppa Italia, but uh, man, this Frosinone completely embarrassed them. They took it for real. Yeah. And then also the next day, uh, a big matchup between Inter and Bologna. Inter, uh, this is an entertaining, super entertaining. If you miss this game, you need to go back on Paramount Plus if you have it. Go back and watch it. Um, uh, goalkeeper saves a penalty attempt in the 53rd minute or 65th minute. Lautaro misses it. Uh, game continues on. It looked like they were going to have a, a winner in uh, stoppage time with uh, Carlos Augusto, or excuse me, an extra time. Um he scores a goal in the 92nd minute. Looks like they're going to win this game. Um, Xerxes comes into the match and kind of just takes over the game, really. Uh, has a wonderful assist on um, Bukema. You already talked about, uh, about by him. Wonderful like back heel flick off the off the, the keep it in play. Finds his finds his man and puts it away. And then he sets up Endoy uh, just minutes later for the winner. Uh, two assists in a matter of four minutes. Uh, the Xerxes show really late in that game as Bologna steal the points from Inter. Uh, and a shocking victory there, a shocking victory for Bologna there. Not because Bologna beat Inter, but <coughs> Inter were one of the favorites for the for the Copa. Uh, yeah. 
Napoli, you'd say, yeah, they'd probably go deep. They probably wouldn't have won it this year. But Inter were one of the strong favorites. They're one of the best team. They are the best team in the league. And to lose like that, now it kind of opens it up for, for Juventus, really. But, but other teams, too, right? And so um, two crazy results. One was more embarrassing than shocking. But uh, thoughts on those two teams, particular Inter and, and Napoli, losing in, so early in the Coppa Italia? Did they prioritize it? I mean, I mean, when you're taking a look at the performances, I mean, that's the thing that I would like to be. Yeah, so I mean, look at the starting lineup for for Inter: uh, Aldero and goal, Bisek and Acerbi and Bastoni. Okay, Darmian, Fratesi, Aslani, Klassen, and Carlos Augusto with uh, Arnautovic and Martinez. A lot of people were <laughs> hating on Arnautovic because they were because he was ass in the game, you know, basically, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was. It's a rotation, and that you a natural rotation for uh, for Filippo for uh, Simone's men. Uh, but still, I mean, you think that they would have uh, been able to win this game the way they've been playing this year? Van Hooydonk led the line for Bologna with you know if you look at the starting eleven, Ravaglia was in, in goal. Lico Janis, Bukema, Lukemi, and Corazza in the back with Abisher, Moro, Salamakers, Fabian, uh, Urbanski with Van Hooydonk uh, leading the way. So I mean, both teams rotating. It just Bologna made it a fight. They made it a rock fight, and they got it with Xerxes. Man, Xerxes was special at the end. Yeah, I look at this. First of all, I look at the Napoli team against Frosinone, and I'm like, I'm not inspired. I mean, and, and, and clearly, okay, fine. I mean, you know, Kadira, Kazo, Benedicci is all. Played relatively well in Serie A settings this season. Okay, Barabia too in the midfield, even though he didn't play particularly well in this game. Yellow card. But this isn't Napoli's strongest lineup, and they played accordingly. Okay, let's start that game. Um, you well, come to the I, end- I heard a lot of Napoli fans say that oh, our B team should easily beat Frosinone. It's like, no, Frosinone are a Serie A team. You, you're not going to beat most teams in Serie A with your B team, yeah. unless you're Inter Agreed. or maybe Juventus, you know? Agreed. Um, and then you come to this Inter-Bologna uh, game. It's, I think it's one of those where maybe Inter were a little unlucky, you know? Sure. sure. Um, you know, they uh, they certainly they certainly pressed. Um, you know, they certainly created a lot of chances. Probably should have won the game in regulation, but they didn't get there. 92nd minute, they score quickly. It's Carlos Augusto. And then you get... Uh, Boykema and then Ndoy, uh, you know, and who you know, it just it's if these weren't these weren't the best teams that Napoli and Inter could have put out, and it just tells me that this this competition wasn't a priority for either team. Yeah, and I, I think it goes back to how the general view is of Coppa Italia. Lots of lots of teams will say, yeah, we prioritize Coppa Italia, but you know, you look at all the the cup cups and all the leagues around the world, and Coppa Italia is not one of the high ones that, are, that the teams value to win it, right? Uh, hmm. League on uh, of the FA Cup and all the freaking cups they have in England, um, uh, the Copa del Rey, all the and, and also in Germany with the, with the DFB Pokal, all those trophies, all those teams want that trophy. It's prestigious to win those cups. In Serie A, you don't get that. You don't, or in Italy, you don't really get that sense that people want to win the Coppa Italia until they get to the semifinals. They're like, all right, now we'll try. That's the sentiment I feel with that, and that's what the problem I think is lies. You need to get more onus into winning prestige into this Coppa Italia. I think one point you can make is that 
Napoli and Inter played their Coppa Italia matches a lot earlier on the calendar than they normally do. Sure. Okay. And just getting done with the Champions League group stage, just getting done with generally basically playing every three days, they probably both looked at it and said, we're going to just throw out our second lineup. And if we win, great, then we'll take it seriously. If not, then we'll focus on the other competitions that we're out in front of. So there's 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 certainly some possibility that that went on. Sure. So um, I don't think it's a stain on either team and, and, and what their ambitions are for the season. I think it probably would have been more important for Napoli if they're trying to win something this year well, yeah. because there's no chance at the Scudetto. They're not going to win the Champions League. So this would have been a competition that they could have prioritized and actually done quite well in if they took it seriously. Um, but it didn't happen. I, I think this does nothing for for Inter losing. Certainly, it, it took two moments of brilliance by Xerxes to yeah. lose that match. Right. So yeah. you know they could have easily won that game, but you know I think Napoli came out flat, completely flat in this game. It was an embarrassing match for obviously, and for a team that just went through a gauntlet of really good teams and losing all those games. They need to find some confidence. The manager need to find some confidence. Came out with this B or C team, if you want to, whatever you want to call it, and just got embarrassed. Um, I think were they were they at home too? I think they might have been at home too. Um, either way, this is going to end up costing the, the, the coach's job. It's going to cost him his job unless he finds a way to turn this team around like immediately. You might be looking for another manager here, uh, and I, I think this does more to the harm of Napoli because I think had they won that game, uh, you, you know, you come into this week, this game against Roma, uh, it would have been a lot more confidence going to high. Confidence can do a thing. When, when your team is not scoring goals, confidence does a lot for you and it can set you over the edge and maybe they wouldn't have been as frustrated. A lot of that frustration could have been because we just got embarrassed. We've been playing so bad and we got embarrassed in Coppa Italia. Now we're going against Roma who are doing, doing this rock fight, aggressive, um, physical game. They're gonna get, they got frustrated. This went over the top. Maybe they mm-hmm. wouldn't have gotten those red cards had they won that game in midweek. Who knows? It's all you know hearsay, but you know it's very possible. Yeah, it. Who knows? I mean, I think the luck of having to play their Coppa Italia matches a lot earlier than everybody else probably yeah, yeah. snuck up on them too. So yeah. there, there's there's some there's some validity to that. So yeah. So we 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 have an experiment. Napoli sacked their manager. Calls for Milan to sack theirs did have gone unanswered. And now we have Napoli really struggling. We have Milan who are struggling in the injury department. But when you take a look at it, <clears throat> didn't qualify for the next round of Champions League. Napoli did. Yep. But Milan are third. So to you, who's winning out, the control or the experiment? The control is not even close. Uh, you're looking at the games since Mazzari took over. Milan are 4-2-1. and one. The two losses, uh, obviously they lost to Atalanta and then losing to Dortmund in the Champions League. And then Napoli are 3-5. Three 3-5. And, five. Three and, five. and mm-hmm. obviously they were going through a gauntlet, right? Facing Inter, Juve, Real Madrid. It's going to be difficult. But they didn't look good in any of those games. And no. what we saw is that that was a big question for us is that keep your manager keep your manager and keep the steady ship or try something new and hope for the best. Right. And a lot of right now, everyone's talking about Milan. They should give it to their manager. And it's not always daisies when you get a new manager, just look at Napoli with Mazzari. Yeah. Yes. They had difficult slate. I understand it completely, 
but they've completely lost faith. They might lose their manager again just because of the way that t- things are going at the moment. And, you know, ADL, who knows with him, right? Uh, so they could very well lose their manager. And it's, it might just be a blow-up that we talked about could, ha- could happen with Milan um, had they switched their manager then. Now, we're in a different situation now, and there are talks of Conte coming, which I don't necessarily would think would work because I don't think Cardinale would spend the money that Conte would want in the, in the January window. But uh, it seems, at least for now, a month a month after this has all happened, that the control seems to be winning by a long margin. Milan were third then, they're third now. Uh, Napoli were fourth then, and now they're seventh. It uh, seems pretty evident on the short sample. Well, it's still a long way to go. Doesn't mean Mazzotti's going to lose his job, but he could, and so could Pioli. I understand mm-hmm. that. But at present, with the records, the way you're looking at the way the two teams are looking at, you would say... Uh, Milan are in the better place at the moment because they have a million injuries. But have, like you said earlier in this podcast, if they're all healthy, what kind of team we got now? Could they challenge yeah. the top two teams? You know, what about you? I, I'm with you. I think that that despite going out in the Champions League, Milan are in the better situation. They're third, and they're third with everybody getting hurt. And like I said earlier in the show, when this team gets back to full strength. Okay, they've accumulated the points and they put themselves in a position weathering the storm of all of the injuries that when they get everybody back together, that they're going to be able to solidify the third position. Because let's face it, I think second or first is going to be very difficult to achieve. Yeah. Okay, with the way Juve and with the way Inter are playing. Unless they choke. But, <laughs> yeah. But Milan are in a position where they can solidify third, whether Pioli continues the rest of the season as manager or not. Okay, because they've gone through the injuries, they've taken the hits, and they've taken the problems already. You know, you know, it, you always ask these questions. When do you want – I mean, because every team during the course of a 38-game season, a season that begins at the end of August, middle of August, and doesn't end until about the end of May, that is an awful long time. Yeah. Okay? Things happen. Injuries happen. Adversity hits. Okay. Windy and, and, and there's never a perfect time for it to happen. But when do you want it to happen? Maybe a little earlier in the season. Maybe as we get to the midpoint. And if you can tread water and still accumulate points and keep a good position, now you get everybody back and you can make a run at the end of the season. It helps you. Yeah. Okay. I like that. We've seen where the adversity hits at the end of the season. See Saudi's Napoli. We've brought it up a bunch of times. Yep. Okay. Where he played the same 14 guys every three days and for about again. seven months straight. And they just did not have the legs to keep up with Juventus. So, um, you know, where now you're looking at Mazzotti coming in. Are the players buying in? You know, that's got to be asked. <laughs> you know, can they handle adversity? Can they handle in-game adversity? Roma has shown that they can't. Yeah. Okay, that Napoli can't. Um, Did you hear about so- Mazzotti after the Roma match? He instead of going with the team, he took a taxi from from Rome back to Napoli by himself. <laughs> it was like the whole big thing. Like he's like, you know, I just need some alone time. I'm gonna go by myself home. I would too. I would yeah. too. <laughs> yeah. After Reflection a game time. like that, after a situation like that, just to kind of be like, not a, not a what have I gotten myself into? Just a, I just I, I need to get away from yeah. the group. And think for myself and not have 
an assistant coach in my ear or a tr- or this guy in my ear or a player asking, hey, can I have a word with you? Yep. It's like, look, I, I this is my – I don't hate Matsadi for doing that. I don't no. mind that. You get no. in the car, you, you get away, you reflect a little bit, and then you rejoin the group the next day, and then now you've got – maybe you've come up with an idea or two to say, hey, yep. I think I got an idea for how we can fix this. Yeah, you know, it doesn't hurt. We'll see how we'll see if that if if if, if that is the thing that gets things going for the this the Mitsari 2.0. Yeah, because uh, they got Monza coming up this weekend, so yeah, I, I, they'll be they'll win. I think they'll get back on track and they'll win. They won't have uh, they won't have Ossiman. No, nope. uh, they won't have Politano, but they'll be able to plug in a couple of guys. Um, you know, and I think they'll get it done. I expect I expect Napoli to bounce back and win. Uh, with the resources that's available to them, okay, largely because I think Monza is starting to struggle. So, um, but but mainly because I think Napoli have enough in their locker to to see out the ninety minutes against Monza. So, um, you know, as for Milan, they get Sassuolo, and it's going to be the battle. The loser, it's it, it, you know the old the old days in wrestling. They had a loser leaves town match, right? Yeah, yeah. Where the 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 the, the man who lost the match was out of wrestling. Pioli v Dionisi this weekend could be loser leaves town. It could. Uh, I don't know. I mean, Dionisi, I think we talked about this last podcast. He should go. I think maybe he's not the guy who we thought he was. Yeah. Uh, and so needs to go. I don't know who would replace him. And then Milan, you know, if Pioli leaves, if he gets canned, who comes in? I think you're, I'd rather have Ibate over Conte just because I don't think Conte's going to get the resources he needs and it could blow up. And about that could blow up you too. That's no guarantee at all either, right? So, but uh, I don't know. It's um, again with the control versus experiment thing, and we'll see what happens. I still think they should wait. It's not in the position yet where they're out of the top four. I think Pioli should be fought. In my opinion, if it was me, and I don't have the funds or I'm not Cardinale, but Pioli would be with the team until the summer, and then I'd part way with him then because then you could take your time, bring someone in early in, and they can take over the team then versus now. Who knows? It's it's really history and the statistics will show you. We were talking money ball with Cardinale. Statistics show you that you know more times than not, a change midseason usually doesn't end well for the team. It doesn't. And so I I'd be hard pressed to see that be successful for Milan, but you know, who knows? You get Abate if you think you've got a legitimate shot at getting Dizerbi out of Brighton in the summer. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You get Conte if you really believe he's the guy and you let him have January where he can fill in a couple of pieces, okay? But he has a half a season to get the existing group, to get them back, you know, to consolidate their Champions League place, evaluate players, and then the summer is where he really does the big push you know, to get the players that he wants in place and, and get the team that he wants in place uh, to go on and, 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 and achieve future success. Yeah. So that's how it's good. That, that's how it is. Okay. Abate, only if you think you really, really think you're going to get to Zerbi in the summer. Rudy okay. Garcia's available. <laughs> Shit, no. So. Dionisi. Yep. Yeah, well, yeah, Dionisi will be available after this week. I mean, if Milan wins. So we'll see. So that, that, that's how I see the Milan situation playing out as far as management is concerned. What do you make of the reports about PIF, possibly? 
I mean, yeah, With the ro- bringing Maldini back into the picture. Well, yeah, I mean, it's hard, right? Because I would love to see Maldini come back, uh, and there'd be funds with Piff. But again, it's you know, you, you can look at it two ways: just the football aspect or the outside aspect. And I would look at it just the football aspect. You know, we've seen what you know Piff and other organizations like that that have come in and helped their team that they whoever they they purchase and given lots of funds doesn't always work. Look at Bailey. Uh, uh, Todd Todd Bowley over at uh, Chelsea, right? Money doesn't always buy happiness, uh, but it could. It certainly could. Um, so if you know Maldini were to come back, I would trust that project more than if you weren't a part of that team. Now, if it just Piff were to buy it, I'd be like, oh, it's good to have money, but are we going to have competent people up there? If Maldini is there, I feel a bit more confident. Uh, but you know, it wouldn't. It's like I'm, I'm. I would be shocked, and I wouldn't be shocked if Cardinal has sold it because he talks about this long project, but. Hey, if he gets a if anyone gets a good price on on your product, it make you yeah. think about it. You know, if he turns a big yeah. profit, he bought it for one point whatever eight billion. If you know Tiff comes in here with six billion or something like that, how do you say no to that? You know? Yeah, exactly. I'm with Anthony. I don't see it either, unless it's a substantial amount of money and that there's a plan in place that makes sense. Redbird's not walking away from this. They have plans. Yeah. Um, but you know, and it was interesting. My mom asked me this question. She said, would you really want to continue supporting a club that had the Arab, you know, with some of the things that are talked about with them and, and all sure. of this other stuff and sport washing and things like that. And, and my answer was pretty quick and pretty simple. It's like, look, I concern myself with what's on the field. I yep. don't, you know, you know, I, I can, I can, I can say the owners, because I, I, I did it with Berlusconi. I can say the owners are assholes, exactly, exactly, and still support the team. It's exactly. not that hard, exactly. So, um, yeah, we have prime experience with Berlusconi, so like, yeah, yeah, can, we're used to that. <laughs> so exactly, we're used to that aspect at least. Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> anyway, so that's that, that. That's where we fall. We'll, we'll be interesting to see how Milan, how things unfold with Milan here over the next uh, several months. It'll, it'll be interesting. They, they they beat Sassuolo this weekend, don't they? I'm gonna say yes. I'm gonna say yes. Not pretty, but they're gonna they're gonna win. Who's gonna play center back? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't know. I heard they called you. <laughs> yeah, you and me. Is that, you, you're, you're, you're Southern <laughs> Virginia. <laughs> By the way, Italy, you know. <laughs> I, I got to be doing better than some of the guys they have back there, right? <laughs> Simic is going to probably start in this one, but. Uh, He's going to have to, yeah. Primavera is going to be starting in defense there. so Yeah. <laughs> and they'll win. Watch. Yeah, right. So. Sign them all. <laughs> oh my why don't we get on with the world's most popular hashtag game who won calcio twitter take it away richard all right usually i'm prepared for these things and for some reason i'm not today but it's okay it's okay it's the holiday it's the holiday it's, season it's we were the to, holiday season it's city is making us work right now you know this is ridiculous right more for the FIGC. anyway uh let's get up to uh michael lisi with this week's first nomination uh so the the draws came out for the Champions League. Obviously, you had Inter, Atleti, a tasty draw there. Uh, Barcelona, Napoli. Uh, but Lazio, the one team we know we wanted them to get is Bayern. At least no, Lazio didn't want them to get Bayern, and they did. And at least he said it before. He said it again. Lazio's already down one nothing in the, in, the, in the two-legged affair here. Uh, so it's not going to be pretty for Lazio. Crazier things have happened, right? But, uh, yeah, 
Lisi gets the first one there with the one nothing there. It's uh, so true, so true. It'd be funny if the game started off and it said one nothing. <laughs> Somebody said edit that. Moving on at Don Atius, Lazio fans welcoming Bayern. Oh God! <laughs> oh. oh my God! <laughs> and all the German fans are like, "What the fuck are they doing?" <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness all right let's oh, see yeah, what's yeah, here yeah, yeah. uh this is also another questionable one but we'll post it for now i guess um oh, barcelona and oh, Show says winner oh, keeper. How awful. <laughs> God, that was bad oh. New, big show big show come on man <laughs> come on uh you're better than this <laughs> Uh, you're next. Our friend Martino Puccio, we broke his balls a little bit when he was saying, we, we were saying Joshua Xerxes is and that is that dude, and then we just kind of, <laughs> and, and then I retweeted it, and I tagged you, and I said, isn't it nice to see City Outouts coming around to guys that we've been talking about for months? So, you know, of course, Martino said, why do you always have to tweet this? And I said, I said, I said, come on, Martino. I said, I only tweet this, I only tweet this with people that I like. Okay, <laughs> if I true. didn't like you, I wouldn't be saying this. That's true. So, but anyway, he tweets out about Javier Zanetti trying to get into the oh, UCL draw. <laughs> For those who don't know, during the UCL draw, yep. Javier Zanetti, the legend, tries to get into the into the into the conference or war show or whatever, and they wouldn't let him in. The guys didn't know who the hell he was. Like, who who are you? He's like, I'm Javier Zanetti. I'm the freaking inter legend. I'm freaking you can I can mop my floor with you with money off of you. Sure. Uh, and he finally got in, but that was the whole joke. Like, you can watch they had videos of it too, and he's like pissed off. It's like, how the fuck do you not know who Arias Anetti is if you're in a war show like that or you know a draw like that? Uh, so that's uh, funny there by Puccio. Um, more continuing from that. Uh, so here's a video. Let's watch the video first. <laughs> They're not letting him in. He's like, come on, you really? <laughs> <laughs> I played here. I played here. What the? <laughs> he won the freaking Champions League trophy. Anyway, anyway, yeah. Saturnion came in and says, "I'm crying. Imagine being in a conference full of football people and still no one recognizes you. Just another provincial legend." <laughs> oh, Saturnion. <laughs> oh. All right, another one at Football Italia. Lecce sent a message to Milan VAR and the Serie A referees. By giving Roberto Piccoli the award for goal of the season, even though it was controversially disallowed. Uh, Petty, anyone? Tom Petty? <laughs> yeah, just a, just a little, isn't he? Uh, well, this is not necessarily, yeah, but FC Dallas tweeted with the fourth pick and the third pick of the MLS Super Draft. They select uh, Colin Bonner, and his they had to put his uh, Instagram handle, which is Raging Bonner. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> and they, they joked about it, too. Look, they're, they're like, look, laughing about it. <laughs> good times okay so our friend uh nick diani was nominated by busted calcio uh gravina on the super league decision which is due tomorrow whoever joins the super league is out i have to safeguard our brand of football nick diani the brand (laughs) blockbuster Uh, an old antiquated out-of-date brand the way of the dinosaur 
Oh, Pescara came into this one and uh, Pescara, El Pescara comunque che non avendo ricevuto alcun invito alla Superliga non rilascerà la dichiarazione in merito. So Pescara says that they will not <laughs> they denounce the, uh, the Superliga and they will not be taking part in it. Bravo. Love it. Love Bravo. it. Leader in the clubhouse. Bravo. Thank you, Pescara. Keeping it real. <laughs> Siabush uh, uh, Falahi with this chart of uh, Zerxi. I also rate Zerxi, but I have a feeling they exaggerated a bit with this. Uh, and I believe this is the was this Gazette de la Sport? Yeah, yeah. Breaking down what he has uh, the the mind of Hulit, or is it the hair of Hulit? Hair of Hulit. Hair of Hulit. Uh, il sacrificio eto. It's either commitment or sacrifice of eto. Technique of Van Basten. Il sinistro Mohamed Salah, il destro Ronaldinho, assist Bergkamp. Yeah, that that's a little out there, isn't it? Yeah, comparing him to the breaks, everybody. We we we're going crazy about Zerxay before everybody, <laughs> except about Bonetti. Bonetti wrote an article about him before yeah. when we started talking about him, which I'll give him credit for. Yeah. Um, but I mean, to to go to this extreme is a little deep. Yeah. Uh, shout out to uh, you talking Bonetti. Paramount Plus had a nice interview with Xerxes. Uh, you should go check yes. it out. Uh, wonderfully done by them. Uh, good, to, good to see him getting some time here. So moving on, Martino Butchu gets another one where uh, so Uncle Sharma posted a video saying it might cook a Dumfries compilation over the Christmas break. So Martino says, please check in on your loved ones during the holidays. They might be doing something like this. <laughs> 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 he's been roasting uh, Dumfries all season long, and now he's like, ah, maybe I'll do a video on them. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh people win Zaghi versus Milan. His <laughs> yeah. brother Simone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see what else we got here. Uh, I got a nomination, but that wasn't really. I, I don't get a win, so I'm not even mentioning mine here. Uh, Art Morelli says, uh, Walter Mazzotti, what exactly would you say you do here? <laughs> I like <laughs> this space. one. <laughs> yeah, uh, I love the office space. Uh, uh, let's see. Well, we got to pick a winner. It's either Art Morelli. Or it's Pescata Calcio. I like Pescata doing it. That's me. I like Pescata. I like the self-deprecation here by <laughs> Pescata Calcio. They are our winner of Who Won Calcio Twitter. Uh, I will go ahead and uh, put that in. You go ahead and talk uh, to people, Richard. All right. Well, people, uh, first of all, thank you for everyone who listens in all season long. It's been a long, arduous season. Uh, 2023 has been a long season, so thank you again for those who listen. Join us with the chat. The chat's always awesome, uh, as it were, again tonight. Uh, Macy Vincent says, so many good ones tonight. Yes, there were. Um, <laughs> Pescada, everyone says Pescada. Uh, shout out to Reno, Calcio's Reno Z. Uh, I was on his podcast, got the repay the favor uh, this past week, uh, talking a little bit Champions League, talking about everything, City A. Uh, so it's glad to have him go. F- make sure you follow him, follow his podcast. Um, and then, yeah, in general, this has been a long year. Uh, but, uh, yeah, no no international break for us, no uh, winter break for us. But uh, we will truck on regardless and head to 2024, hopefully, with uh, better content for everybody, whatever pe- everybody wants. We'll try to supply that as well. So, yeah, just thank you to everybody. It's not lost on me, um, the support we have. Uh, the listeners we have, the following we have. Yeah. Um, you were just two guys wanting to talk Calcio. We're not. <laughs> we're not. We're not making any money on it. Lord knows. And Richard's oh. spending money. 
which I should give him some money. I'm in debt because of this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, so it's it's it, it, the support you all give us is not lost on us at all. Uh, we want to thank you all for that from the bottom of our hearts. Um, thank you for an, another amazing year. We're closing in on 300 podcasts. Uh, yeah. So we will do, we will cook up a special for that when that day hits. Um, we had a three hour special for 200 because <laughs> we invited just a lot of people to just come in and talk. And I think we're going to do that again. We're probably going to end up doing that again. Yeah. So um, thank you all so much for another amazing year of talking culture with you all. Uh, you know, we, 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 we just want to make sure we're giving you, we're not just that we're not just talking and that we're not just, you know, passing the time. We want to give you good information. We want you to, we want you to be in the know. We want you to be informed when you watch games so that you can look at this team and say, yeah, we've seen them do that before. We've seen them do this before. Or if it's players and saying, yeah, you know what? Sandy, I told us about this guy. We should watch him a little bit more. You know, that, that, that if, if, if we're doing that for you, then we're happy. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, we're the Calcio on the go for the reason. God bless you, Anthony. Thank you. That's right. Um, and, uh, you know, for us, to, we, we keep doing this because people keep listening. So, uh, yeah. you know, so, so we certainly we, we certainly appreciate all of you. So thank you all. And I hope I hope you all had an outstanding holiday season and continue to have one, what, what, regardless of what you celebrate. And uh, I wish prosperity for all of you in the uh, in, in 2024 and, and great days ahead. So, uh, so thank you so much. Um, and chat, thank you all. And with that, we'll put a bow on this edition of City I Sit Down, where we have our own channel on Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud. You can find us on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, wherever there is podcasts, there's City I Sit Down. I think I switched up the order that time. Um, who knows? But I got them all. That's um, right. That's right. At City I Sit Down on Twitter or X or whatever you care to call it these days. We're also there on Instagram. You can check us out on Facebook. Those are the socials. Uh, Richard is at R underscore K-H-A-R-M-A-N. I'm at F-T-C underscore 21. Uh, if you want to give us a follow. Um, uh, me in particular, you'll... When I'm not talking Calcio and I'm not giving Calcio takes on Twitter, I'm complaining about my favorite sports teams or, or some other things like that. So, um, uh, if you are watching this for the first time here on YouTube and you enjoyed it, uh, and even if you didn't enjoy it, uh, drop a like anyway because that helps us. Uh, and it's just a kind thing to do during the holiday season. Uh, but if you really enjoyed this, uh, please subscribe. Uh, and then also more importantly, hit that notification bell because you will be, re- you will be prompted whenever we are live on the air. And it's generally Tuesdays at 9 PM Eastern time is when we give our takes. So, uh, once in a while we'll switch it up. So that's why it's important to follow us at city. I sit down on Twitter in case we do make those changes. Cause that's where we're going to announce it. Mm-hmm. Um, that's all I got. Anything else, Richard? No, that's it. I think same time next week, I guess, right? We'll find out. Yeah, yeah. We will see you all next Tuesday, January 2nd, 9 p.m. Eastern, right here on the YouTube channel. Please check us out there. Uh, In the meantime, enjoy the rest of your holiday season. Have a very happy new year. Bring in 2024 in style. We'll see you all next Tuesday. For Richard, I'm Frank. Make sure you tell your paisans about us. Ciao.
Messi, Messi, Messi.